Back from the dead, it's Pull Request, live from the heart of Brooklyn. Pull Request is a weekly tech podcast about everything in and relating to technology with two techno experts, Eric Newman, hi, and Ryan Swiner. Oh, hello. This week's episode, Physical Sustainability. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Pull Request number 80, numero 80, our... I, I can't believe there's this is eighty number eighty. This is I, I, it's not even a hundred, but that means that there's over a hundred hours of me talking on the internet somewhere, and I I don't know. I mean, how that don't feel so weird. It's like a, it's a really small version of Rogan. I'm a really small version of Rogan, also just kind of physically. No, wait, actually, isn't he short? He probably yeah, he's pretty short. I've uh, seen him live a couple times, but he's how, he's, how? he's in shape. Jack he's, oh, he's 5'7". Okay. Well, he's a lot thicker than I am. Of course, across the country, not just across from me, this time is my compatriot of code, Ryan Swiner. He's a friend of the show. You've been on here a couple times, and uh, you're back yet again to help introduce, hopefully, a new era of pull request, even though we this is, would be the third, I guess, new era of the show in 80 episodes. I wonder... I mean, we're changing things up faster than uh, faster than England and their prime minister. No. That's a, oh, I'm sorry. Um, that's another story. I wasn't sure but if the, you were going to do something like that. I wasn't sure if you were going to do Caitlyn Jenner. I wasn't sure. No, I wouldn't. No, no. She's stunning and brave. I can't. Um, but the thing is, is that um, I've realized that podcast is changing. Podcasting as a medium is changing. And they said, you know, the first 100 years ago, the, the first films were just filmed plays and they looked like filmed plays and then film eventually evolved into its own medium and, and, and did things that you really couldn't do in real life and I believe podcasting is doing the same thing podcasting started out as or has started out as basically like asynchronous radio shows and or on-demand radio shows and they were that long they were about as long as a radio show without commercials radio shows especially in the early 2000s were averaging like 30 to 40 minutes to the hour of content and then the rest of it were commercials. I'm listening to one right now, each of the hours are 36 minutes, and the other 24 are commercials. So he ends up actually doing 90 minutes a night, but it's monetized over three hours or amortized over three hours. And so you think about a 90-minute podcast. Yeah, and radio shows oftentimes are just are meant to accompany people doing idle things. So, well, I mean, I mean that's, that's what podcasting same. is definitely doing, and that's you know that's why podcasting has become popular, especially because who do you know listens to the radio, especially something like talk radio. Yeah. Other than the baby boomers, our parents, other than them. You know, every now and then if I'm in Florida or something like that and I'm going to my the office I have over there, um, I'll end up driving to work. I'll have a commute. It's one of the rare times that I have a commute. And I hear a terrestrial radio talk show. And it's only on – like there's no content density. You're not listening to it for a reason. It's just a couple people talking about – whatever they could be energetic about at eight in the morning on that particular day. That's right. And speaking of being artificially energetic, our, our wonderful studio audience who have managed not to suffocate or rot like a plant that hasn't been watered in however many months it's been since we did a show. It's just the amphetamines. Yes, that's right. I have been giving them just little drops of um, lysine uh, from that movie, the informant about with Matt Damon and also the, uh, well, a little bit of liquid Adderall always helps. Um, is that a thing? Is liquid Adderall a thing? 
I would hope not, because people would die really quickly. It's got to be. It's got to. I mean, I'm sure if you just take the, just crack the thing, put it in some water, and stir it up, maybe that starts like some you kind of Let's chemical decomposition. About, Let's not talk about making your own drugs on a tech show. I don't think that's a, okay. So I don't think that's a good idea. No. I know. You yes. can do a Breaking Bad episode, or we can do a show about drugs. Then we can do that, but not about. It's not for this. Um, anyway, so we're talking about podcasting evolving as a medium. And one of the things that, it, that podcasting is doing or podcasts are doing uh, to depart from radio shows is that they're getting shorter. They're getting shorter and they're getting more niche. And the show that we've developed and that we've done 79 times is this kind of rolling, rolling, rolling old school style radio show hosted by a bunch of millennials who don't listen to the radio anymore. And... Uh, and, and noticing where things are going, noticing other podcasts, successful podcasts, what, what is making them successful. They're not making two-hour shows once a week. They're doing maybe a 10-minute episode three times a week. They're doing 30 minutes a week or 40 minutes a week, but they're not doing it. They're not, they're not, they're not actually producing content in the same longevity as what we've been doing. But it's much more concise and it's much more concentrated. And so that's kind of what we're going to do or what we're going to try to do with pull requests, even though I've taken up 10 minutes of time with just talking about it hypothetically. It's a bit meta. It is, but you know, we kind of have to remind people that we're still here and, and why we took so long off and what we're trying to do and how we're trying to not just, this is the third year. This is the, almost the end of the third year. Uh, we started in November of 2016 and now it's September of 2019. So it's almost we've we've been doing this for almost three years. We haven't really made too much progress outside of being able to develop a style of content that we like to present. But is that being monetized effectively enough? Do people actually want to listen to a two and a half hour show or two hour show or one and a half hour show? I don't know. Well, I think this is kind of like the um, you know Netflix sort of went the opposite direction. In movies, there was this idea that. A 90-minute movie was kind of too short, and like a two-and-a-half-hour movie was too long, and there's sort of this happy medium. And so there was that question whether or not people would sit and watch like really, really long-form stuff. But turns out if you do it the right way, people will binge-watch six hours of six hours of a show, more than that, yeah, several six days hours of a show, 22 minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's And that's like, the thing is that I, I have a feeling that people, even though they do stuff like that, they open something up and they see, oh, it's, you know, it's, oh, this is two and a half hours. It's a little off-putting just from the start. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe, yeah, you need like a long book with short chapters is what you need. Yes. And we can do that because it's not like we have to pay per episode to publish this stuff. So, um, so that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to break up the show and take out all the bullshit excuse me, uh, to have, to allow us to have greater precision in targeting content, which is, uh, the business speak of saying doing a better job and not, you know, actually trying to make something of this. Um, we started work on a website and in fact, there's, uh, there's an interesting library that we're going to use for, or that, that, that I'd like to use for the website. That's a dockerized headless WordPress mm -hmm. react website with code splitting and server-side rendering do you have a with WPJSON. Is there a GitHub template for this? Did someone already make oh, a yeah. boilerplate for that? I didn't that? make this. I'm not making this from scratch. Those, yeah, those days are over. Because I've actually been um, thinking about doing a, a similar thing. Actually, I'm thinking about for all my clients just, just going to Gatsby and then just having our content guy 
learn how to edit markdown files or whatever because that's the benefit of it is i can i can make a configuration file that's separate from the code and so like i can teach a content guy how to mess with github that's going to be way easier in the long run over you know having to manage like throwing around a sql file from here to there between development staging and production environments and um also by the way uh, speaking of Gatsby and what you were mentioning, which is basic, which is uh, modularity or being able to have a white label app that you can peel off instances of for your clients, there were a couple companies that. Uh, where's my? Uh, hold on, I'm sorry, I'm out of practice. There were a couple of companies at React Day New York that talked about exactly that, and Gatsby was were there actually. Got some cool socks. Um, yeah, they were giving out socks, but I noticed that they were slightly different colors, and it turned out that the, that one pair of socks, they had, like, a batch that were produced in North Carolina and a batch that were produced in China. Okay. Which do you think had better colors? I'm going to go with China just because they've been doing it for so damn long. You know, I guess it's a subjective question. The colors from – the Chinese colors had more blue, and but I feel like I like the warmer tone of the – American colors better, and that's also you know. I'll tell you, you what. Know. When I lived, we're over in a trade there, war, Ryan. Yeah. When yeah. I, when I lived over there, they, they this is this is not a part of the world that does well with design or color. Like you go to a restaurant, no, they're, just, they're good at copying. Well, and they're it's it's the Crocs with socks world over there, and you'll go into a restaurant on like Valentine's Day. And their idea of a romantic setting is to, like, put a red tablecloth over the table and turn the lights way up so you can see the food. And it's very, it's very like, strange and off-putting. Um, but that's how they do. They're, it's, it's, a, it's the home of pragmatism at the expense of everything else. Everything else. Everything else. Yeah, that which might be the why, way to say it. Which, yeah, which is why it... They're really killing on price. Yep. Um, anyway, we're taking too long. Yep. Even though we talked about making the show shorter. Right. Um, so the, but to what we were just talking about, we're going to start a new series called Hot Topic. Um, not in any way related to the clothing store, so don't sue us, please. Um, hot Topic, short and sweet, and hot. And, and hot? Ugh, I blew the delivery. Hot Topic, short and sweet, and hard to beat. We're going to do a quick discussion about one highly relevant news topic at least once a week. Probably good for your bathroom visits during the day at work. We want to cut this main show down to about 30 or 40 minutes and then create another short series that's more experimental. But of course, still very much related to tech and the center, the mothership, which is this show. It's the Halo approach. And I have a feeling that the other that breaking this stuff down will also allow us to target specific demographics and perhaps make the content a little more niche and have actually a real marketing strategy instead of whatever the hell we've been doing for the last <laughs> So, uh, with that, I just want to talk really quickly about um, dark mode because Slack came out with dark mode this week and as someone that spends a lot of time typing, uh, especially at all hours of the night with the lights off, it makes a huge difference. It really does. Did they? Where is yeah. this? Desktop. And phone. And what's so ironic is that the day before they did it, I looked it up, and they were like, "Oh, here's a hack." Or not Slack, but I found some Medium article that was like, "Well, Slack's 
an Electron app, so it's styling is CSS, so you can just import this file, and then it'll make it dark mode. But literally, 20, literally, I read that, and I said, that's ah, too much work. I woke up the next day, and then I saw the, the bit that Slack, they finally deployed it. So, hey, it works out. There was like a, um, some other, some little group had made a thing called Sublack that was a lightweight client for Slack that was Well, that's something mode. else. I, a lightweight Slack client could be game-changing because that thing takes a... My computer can be... And I used to complain about Photoshop doing this, but now it's like VS Code and Slack. If I have just VS Code and Slack open at the same time, my computer's fans turn on doing nothing. They're just sitting there using my electricity. I, I don't even know. Uh, anyway. Um, but what the, thi- the thing is is that with everything going dark, it embraces... People are starting to embrace... An idea that I had 10 years ago, it's almost exactly 10 years ago, and people said that I was stupid, along with everything else, you know, like uh, Echelon and Prism and all that stuff. But the thing is, is that... Uh, now you're a psycho if you have, a, if you're an ID, if you're IDE, if is, you're editing white, code on a white background, you're like, you're like a psycho. There's a lot of people who are in their 40s and up that, that still do it. And I, I, oh. I, did, it, I did it until 2015. Uh, but then I, I, I grew up, um, but yeah, so the thing is, is that, and it's funny because I'm reading this book on advertising from, um, uh, by David Ogilvy, this book's from the early eighties. So it has nothing to do with computers and, uh, the internet. And it, and he says, the only thing in advertising that has changed in my lifetime is the advent of television. I'm like, that's kind of a big deal, but he stresses the fact that reading on inverse inverted as in white on black, considering print is black on white has been notoriously hard to read. He had studies to prove it, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's true anymore because of how printing, which is an additive color medium, versus RGB, which is a subtractive color medium. So the default with no value is dark, and then the default with no value is light, and you have to add colors to get to dark on paper, and then you have to... I guess you still have to act. Well, I think it's just because it's an active light source. Like, uh, on no, a piece but it of paper. has to do with the inversion. It has to do with the natural native inversion of the color space, which is why dark will, at, will end up looking better. Dark, a light on dark will end up looking better on screens, and, and, and dark on light might end up looking better on print. That's what I'm saying. In print. Yeah. For text. Copy text. Yeah, I don't have, a, I don't have an empirical reason why that would be the case. My only, my only intuition there is just the. I feel like just because the the screen is emitting light, and I think the screen messes with your depth perception. Like when you see a screen, you're just seeing these elements, and your brain, I think, can sometimes lose a concept of how far away those things are. And I think something about the white on black is is helpful, and it just doesn't wear your eyes out as much to be looking at a at a dark at a, at a generally dark screen. Right, because it's a lot. It's, you're also absorbing a lot less light. Like there's a lot of times where I have to sit pretty close to a 27 inch, you know, high res monitor, and when I pull up, if I whenever I would pull up Slack, it would just feel my I could feel my eyes, like my I could feel my pupils contract. Like I just went outside and just <laughs> sitting next to a giant light. Well, I don't, so, have, I don't even have any trouble reading at night now with like if you've got um, like a blue light filter and the pixel or not the um, pixel um. The Kindle app open with inverted colors. You can you can read pretty endless, endlessly until you until you fall asleep, and the light from the screen isn't really going to wake you up. Interesting. 
Yeah, I've been okay. uh, doing that for a bit. So you just kind of got like reddish, orangish letters on a, on a black background in a dark room. And I think it's actually gentle enough that it doesn't seem like it's stressing the eyes or it's not waking you up either. Well, you know what? That's a great segue into what this episode is about. Physical sustainability, ergonomics, things that we as people who basically spend most of our time on computers can do to help them not degrade our bodies perpetually, even though they kind of have it ready. Yeah, I actually, I started, so I took a break but wait, from... But uh, before, uh, before you do that, uh, two things, really quickly. First, here's some stories we couldn't get to because we have spent too much time already, and also we want to cut <clears> some st- stuff out of the show. Uh, I had a free, I used to have a free speech segment, used to, used to, used to, I don't want to spend half an hour on it. But one thing is that The Economist has this article about the dangers of illiberal liberalism and how the illiberal liberals need to... Uh, accept intolerant speech in order to be tolerant truly of other people and to be truly liberal. Uh, but also it talks about how there's a just a, the deplatforming movement and how in the in the binary political movement that's kind of going on uh, or increasing in fervor right now. And that's as much as I'm going to say. Uh, also, France and Germany ban are going to ban Facebook's Libra currency. <laughs> They're not going to work with it. So, so much for that. And uh, there's one thing that I really, I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to get all the segments out of the show, but I really, I really couldn't uh, because there's one that I absolutely love doing, and it's our Apple attack, where we take a nice little poop on Apple. First up, I'm mostly doing this because they had that announcement this week, the lame iPhone 11. Honestly, it's the, and I said this when I got when the 10s came out that I had never been as underwhelmed from an iPhone presentation before. In fact, if you noticed, Ryan, this iPhone 11 presentation, they start—they always start off with the battery life, they always start off with the graphics, they always start off with the camera, but then they go into the other stuff. Then they go into the, oh, but it also does this. It'll... I, that's too perverse. I didn't want to use that reference anyway. It'll do... You know, it'll do... It'll, it'll, it'll read your mind, but no. Instead of that, they said, well, you know what? That's it. Have a nice day. Okay. Um, I, what, what else does the phone do? Well, well, it's, it's going to have a new battery. So when your battery dies next week for some reason, it's totally not our fault, um, you'll get a new one of those. Okay. Uh, does it have Apple Pencil support because uh, you have a Pro iPhone? No, that's not. Okay. Um, does it have... Well, it has a Pro-level camera. Yeah. Um not really a selfie person. Well, you wouldn't want to use that for selfies anyway. Uh, there's... It, uh, it's still lightning and not USB-C, even though the iPad Pro is USB-C, and I have a feeling that Steve Jobs is rolling over in his grave because of that alone. Man. Uh, and, yeah. But, check this out. My phone, the XS, which is all, not even a year old. I got it in December. I, the Bluetooth is starting to cut out. The battery is starting to die. And there's one issue that I've always had with this, which is... Um, you can enable night shift, which is one thing, but you can also enable a low light mode on the display, which I have found to be extremely valuable when using this phone at night. And, I, and honestly, it's so bright, and my eyes are sensitive, and I just, I honestly keep it on during the day a lot. Maybe they and, just, maybe they just like got through the presentation, or they they like looked the analytics from previous presentations, and it's like we're done. At, no, like, I think it's because I think it's because Apple has had 
a giant problem with wireless charging. Remember the air power, Matt? Whatever the, the air power, anything? Uh-huh. They couldn't get that going. The, they were supposed to be able to do dual mode wireless charging with this, which I can only imagine is completely... It can't be too efficient, but I mean, whatever, that's something. And think about this. The iPad Pro can wirelessly charge the Apple Pencil while being wirelessly charged itself, I think. That makes sense. That's nothing stopping that from happening. No, except that Apple couldn't get it together. Mophie is actually getting it together. They released a power mat that Apple couldn't do, and I'm sure it works great. I didn't buy it, but, you know, Apple, why can't they do it? Why can't Apple buy the people from Mophie who are working on that? Why can't there's so many there's so many low-level questions I have about how this company runs day to day and what Tim Cook what Tim Oh, I, that was a Freudian slip. Tim Cook, excuse me. What Tim Cook does um every day after work, I have no idea. Maybe they uh, just realized. They were, oh, yeah. And, what? They're like, we, we have 20 years of cash on hand. Maybe they're just going to take advantage of it. They're just like, you know what, it's guys? Coast. Yeah, let's just do nothing for like a decade. Let's just let's just keep the lights on. And then. Yeah, I don't know. That's wait lame. for our moment. Yeah, they need they need another visionary. Well, well, Tim Apple, please give me a call or send me a tweet at pneumonium on Twitter. And uh, I'd be glad to work for you, but not in California. Um, anyway, they also were no computer announcements. I, I desperately need a new computer now. My, my MacBook Pro that I'm using to run the show has, or I'm using for my show notes, um, is six years old now. And it works great until you get into native development. And now that I'm really starting to get into native development, things like whatever open source garbage runs is underpinning QEMU, uh, it's like, it can't, I really don't think it has graphics acceleration. And I can't have that and and use, like, pull down a menu from the file system at the same time. And it just, and or I can't have Slack open while I'm doing, while I have the iOS sim open. And I, I, have, I'm, I also work with a relatively new from 2017 Touch Bar MacBook Pro that I absolutely hate using, and it is really fast, and it just handles this stuff no problem. Do you know and what I'm... That's, uh... The dreadful irony that I'm in is that I really, I, my my wrist, tr- like, accidentally hits the trackpad so much on the new ones. I hate the keyboard. I hate the touch bar. But they are fat. I hate the glare in the display. I hate the yellow display. But it is a fast machine. And I desperately need a new computer. And I was hoping that because Johnny Ive finally left, and the next, the following week, the designer said, okay, we're getting new keyboards on the next laptops, and they're talking about a new body style. This might finally be the time that Apple make themselves great again. MAGA. But... Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, or it didn't happen. So... I'll tell you what's got my attention. Uh, I kind of want to get an Alienware laptop. Could you turn it into a Hackintosh? I guess you would probably just be happy using Ubuntu. Yeah, but here's the thing. They have this new thing for gamers, but I would just like to use it for the interface. The the Toby eye tracking bar. Have you heard of this thing? No. It's a peripheral. Is it like what Stephen Hawking had? Oh, it's probably like, you know... I was going to say, Steve would have drooled over this, but that's probably <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. Sorry, Steve. That's you're, a... you're a great man, Steve. I don't... There's... <laughs> Sir Stephen. Uh, Sir Stephen. Sir Stephen. Sir Stephen. You're a much greater contributor to Sir humanity Dr. than Hawking. I. Sir Dr. Hawking. But this thing, it's a peripheral that you put on your machine, 
and it literally just tracks your eyes. You can use your eyes as a mouse. And That's what he did. That did is he? what he had. But this is super quick. This is like... Yeah, how he... do you think he typed? Uh, okay. So it's probably just a newer, lower latency, like more consumer-ready version of that. Yes. That was also possibly how he managed to keep up to date with technology without really having any income. Like, how did he manage to pay for stuff? Uh, I mean, those he book would, deals you know, were he... pretty good, I guess. I don't know. Was he writing books? Yeah, he definitely had the... Uh... I can't remember the name of them, but I know, maybe he, I know he, he had some like few... ridiculous tenure with Oxford or something. Like yeah, that. he he did a few theoretical physics books. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, apart from Apple's major disappointments, I've got one more. Bob Iger, who used to be the president of ABC in the '90s, Disney bought ABC in the '90s, and now Bob Iger runs Disney. And there there were a couple of other people in the mix that are apart from this story. So Bob Iger is on Apple's board, and. He knows that Apple is coming out and they're uh, with a streaming video service as, as well as what they announced their uh, streaming game service, as well as starting to produce original content. But uh, the person that started Apple, used to own Apple, also owned Pixar, which then was usurped by Disney. And that's kind of one of the reasons why Bob Iger is on Apple's board. So my question, of course, is why didn't they combine the effing services together and eliminate so much overhead? Seriously, this bothers. This is this is exactly why I am pissed off at Apple right now. Apple could provide the cloud infrastructure, even though I'm pretty sure iCloud runs on AWS. They could provide some kind of infrastructure to help Disney out. And then they could say, we want to produce some of your content. Like, Apple's going to come out with anything provocative that Disney wouldn't like. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they have similar target demographics. They have similar styles of content. They have longstanding business relationships. They both have more money than God. Why didn't they team up? Instead, oh... Disney Plus is going to be a competitor to Apple Plus, and 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 so we can't be friends anymore. That is ridiculous. That is. Mm, there's like I'm, an I'm there's like an old couple that like like an old stuffy couple that has separate beds. Maybe. Yeah, but you could you know what you could almost argue that they have separate beds maybe because they have different mattresses or different mattress settings. Could be, yeah. and then that allows them to have better sleep. Yeah, it's like some people are Tempur-Pedic people. Some people are uh, fancy, you know. Casper-Pedic. Casper-Pedic. Something. Purple. purple. I have a Casper mattress, but I really love those purple ads with Tim and Eric. I uh, I have a purple. It's a great, it's a great it mattress. Good? Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. It's a little different. Casper Casper's really great, um, but I put a condom over it, and so it really removes a lot of the, the feeling. Oh, they got stretchy it's... ones now. They got stretchy condoms that... That, uh, oh, that anyway, help that out. Anyway, 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 cutting it short, this has been our Apple Attack. We got to really move on the time thing because we're already like half an hour in. Are we? And yeah. Wow. See, that's that's how these shows end up becoming happens. so long. Is because you just, you know, you just keep going and talking and kibitzing, and before you know it, you're off on this ridiculous tangent, which is exactly what the radio shows do, but you're not being that concise, you know, hit of information that people are are looking for, or you're missing the, or we're losing the equilibrium between banter and information. It's like the, uh, uh, I can't remember which, which writer 
maybe it's Robert Frost or something. It's like I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, why don't we uh, see if there's something else I can try to remember and take a quick break. Say, friends, do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumonium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I? Your five-borough compass navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island to the Bronx. Simply go to www.whereami.nyc and enable location services on your mobile device to find your nearest borough neighborhood and three subway stations closest to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance. That's Where Am I? Brought to you by Pneumonium. Pneumonium, reinventing media daily. Got most of it. I like how if you're not in NYC, it just says nope. It says uh, FU, actually. Oh, does it? I think maybe if, it got if nicer. If you don't have location services enabled, ah, it says nope. Got it. If you're in New Jersey, it says FU. <laughs> this is not where am I dot New Jersey. This is where am I dot New York. Five boroughs. Works on Staten Island. I tested it. Did I forget to renew the security certificate because Let's Encrypt expires every 90 days? Probably. But it works once, once I fix that. Oh, just uh, use Cloudflare. But I, it's, it's supposed to auto-renew. Mm. I set up the script. I have a VPS. It was, it was supposed to be pretty easy, and then it just doesn't work. The TLS is one of those, it's one of those areas of the Internet that ironically people haven't gotten their shit together with it's like yeah it none of the standards really feel like standards it feels like there's a gotcha to everything and they're only trying to include more things in the tls umbrella they're trying to do uh dns over tls which i can only imagine has a lot of overhead because there's also dns sec which is different yeah i just i just it seems like the people at Cloudflare spend all their time thinking about that, and so I always, at the start of a Not project... Not all their time. They spend some of their time thinking about uh, banning people as well. But that's Do story. they? Uh, yeah. They cut some people that. off recently. I believe I it. mean, look, some of them were... I mean, they're a private company. They can refuse service to anyone. Hmm. I support their right. Hmm. But, you know, sometimes that it just shows a little bit of bias in a certain direction when companies do that. Yep, sure does. So... With that, uh, why don't we talk, hold on, why don't we talk about ergonomics? Take it away, Ryan. Okay, so I got back into developing about three, four years ago. I took like a long break, and so... You took a very long break, I took and a- it honestly is so surprising to me, I'm sorry, it's so surprising to me how quickly... You were able to climb back up the mountain of web development, especially since it has changed significantly since when we were in high school together, starting off, starting out. You know, it's not that bad, because really, tech is like a young man's game. So, like... Well, yes, but what I'm saying is, it's not that bad for you, because you didn't spend... Like, I ended up, I I ended up like, one of those World War II parents that's like, that's not music, that's not how you make music. Mm. Because I had just been stuck doing it, Lampstack, for over a decade. Uh-huh. You took a break and then and then saved all of that serotonin and dopamine in your brain. And then now you can use it to help you relearn web design the modern way rather than what happened to me, which is I had to be pulled kicking and screaming into it in 2015. Mm, that makes sense. But I remember I remember the, the weirdest initial realization for me was 
spinning up a node server and having to wonder where the Apache server, like where, wait, so this, where's where, everything where do I put else? this app? And they're like, no, no, the app is the server. The app is the server. I just, files that are took, in the computer. <laughs> it's so simple. That, that took but a weird I'll tell amount you of time. this, though. You know what? If you remember um, the, the, the greatest uh, computer science teacher that ever lived. I do. John Slattery. Yep. R.I.P. John. When we were learning, when we were doing jobs, I, I, uh, I, my, I pine for him. Um, anyway, and I still laugh at that Photoshop uh, thing that I made of him back in 2005 that we put into the computer science video. Yeah. Him, yep. The ice cream him, thing. Yeah, yeah. From dodgeball. Anyway, um, what is it? No. So he, uh, when we were in his class doing Java. At least for my senior project, I got in. I ended up getting into uh, uh, servers and stuff, mm-hmm. or like starting up servers and sockets in Java. And the thing is, is that to start a server, there was like a one-liner, which is pretty much what you're doing in Node. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's kind of like that. It's like oh, it's 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 a thing, and you can send traffic to it, and it does stuff, and you just kind of turned it on, and it had been there this whole time. And uh, I don't know. I totally get it, though, when you're used to Apache and how many tendrils it has inside of your system and it, the, the days-long configuration and stuff are, are relatively similar with Nginx. Yeah, I actually had to, to learn just... it later. I, so um, I had a client, I still have a client this year that has a CodeIgniter app. It's like an old version of like, an, like CodeIgniter 1.6 or something. And I had wow. to go and fill in my LAMP stack knowledge and I was not happy about it. The only thing that made it palatable was that it was all stuffed inside of Docker. So I was like, okay, I don't have to know much more about everything in this snow globe beyond the confines of the globe. Right. And that's, and honestly, um, I think that a lot of NPM, or rather a lot of Node apps are utilizing... Excuse me. They're utilizing Docker because... Self-hosting, or rather, getting a server to host Node apps is kind of weird. But if you Dockerize everything, then you can just throw it on one of those servers in the cloud that just allow you to throw a Docker image up, and then it works. Yeah. Yep. I agree. One of the cool things, by the way, about and remember the headless WordPress. And this is not ergonomics, but we'll end this tangent quick. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the cool things about having everything Dockerized, though, is that. It eliminates some of the, if you're using something inside the Docker container that is very specific to a host name or a specific port, Docker's abstraction of that, the container's abstraction of that allows you to send traffic from other computers or other domains where it would otherwise say, oh, I don't know what this is, or make references to an address that doesn't exist. But as long as it's in the Docker container, it's all there. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of that stuff. And you get to work from a lot more default configurations. But anyways, I got to get to before, anyway, before we have, Okay. <laughs> so Before we spend an hour on that, let's talk about okay. ergonomics. So, and it's funny because we just restarted the song. So Yeah, so I just got... I started... I'd been, I'd been typing a lot. I've been just in front of a machine for many hours a day now for years. And um, I finally got Do to the exercise? point where I'm like 30. And uh, I'm like in my 30s now. And I'm like feeling weird pains in the tendons of my hands. I'm like, ooh, that's not good. I think I know where that goes if I don't do something about this. Um, and so one of the first things I got, I was looking at my hands, how the way we sit at a machine, I'm like, I, if this keyboard were split in half, then I could actually get my hands shoulder width. 
I'm like, I feel this would be, I feel like this would be a dramatic improvement. So I started doing like the split keyboard. So you got research. one of those Microsoft ergonomic keyboards from the '90s. No, no, no. This is a another another company. It's called Kinesis, and they make that's this kind of funny split actually. keyboard. Yeah, because I had a little like my first website thing was called Kinesis. I know. How fitting is that? That's kind of funny. Yeah, it's coming anyway. back. It looks like an older keyboard too, but it's like it's split in half. It's got like a twenty-inch cable between the two halves, and okay, I use is it all of that separation? Are they sculpted or are they flat? They're just they're flat. Um, but then, like, once you can do that, you start discovering all sorts of other things. All of a sudden, you start to rethink, like, okay, where do I rest my arms? And for a while, I was like resting my hands on things but it turns out that's not going to help you either like you really want your hands to be floating and then you don't want to put your elbow on a hard surface that hurts like hell so it ends up being that you kind of need a, a resting point like a fairly hard resting point like about an inch above the elbow and you want to like measure it out to where your pinkies go up to the corners of the keyboard thumb on the space bars and so now I've got this like chair that I because I because I mess with the the van so much I, I keep tools around so I'm always like cutting up pieces of wood and trying to experiment with making better and better workstation tooling and so now I've extended the arms of this chair with like a piece of plywood with a thing that holds like my big magic pad magic trackpad thing and uh, these two halves of the split keyboard and it's one of the best things like i don't have any you don't end you end the day with no like pain in your hands or like weird postural concerns cuz you're not your shoulders are open your elbows are back you don't but how any... do you stop yourself from slouching like i can have on my side of things i have this ridic- ridiculous desk chair yeah that has you know lumbar support it has a, a head pillow it has uh, adjustable armrests, uh, and I still, I still just hunch over in it, right. and I sit in the absolute worst way. Like that, somehow. It's not you. Maybe it's the keyboard. Watch this. It's, uh, what if I use multiple keyboards? Yeah, but I'm like one of those uh, keyboardists from the prog rock era. But watch this. Please see. You got your keyboard. You put your hands together, and it starts. It starts bringing your rolling your shoulders in. Like you can't. As long as your hands are next to each other when typing, oh. there's really no way to avoid it. Now, oh, I get it. So if they're all the way, I'm trying to do this now. So if they're all the way on either side, then I'm naturally going to want to stand up, sit up straight. Yeah, or even, even if you I'm sit not back. bringing it together. I'm not. Right, no, I know what you're saying though. It makes me because I'm not. I'm not just that kind of like like hunching over by itself, typing. Yeah. When your hands are close together. Yeah, you can't help it. So, like, oh. if you if your hands are split, just here, just pull pull your elbows back to your, you know, almost as if you were preparing to try to touch your elbows together behind your back. But, like, if you have a split keyboard, you can you do can all that. Like you can that. just keep your shoulders open. You can just keep I like that. that. I could, and I can feel it. My chest is, is, I'm pushing out my chest and I'm standing up a lot straighter. Yeah. I'm still craning down my head a little bit to hit the microphone, well, but that's... What I do is I yeah there we go that's I get like a mesh lumbar support thing a so better. I can keep some airflow on my back and then uh, I just kind of lean back against that so like I'm almost I'm are not, you wearing pants at home mm, 
That's uh, that depends on the day. Uh, okay. Usually not. I mean, that also helps with the ventilation. Yeah, yeah. Just keep the ventilation going. But yeah, if you just lean back, it really is mostly about like if your hands have to be next to each other, that can't end well over the long term. That's my fundamental conclusion about typing. Okay. Yeah. What about using a mouse? Uh, trackpad. So How I often have... do you find yourself using a mouse these days? Okay. Um, I, I've started to, like, this keyboard thing put me on a kick where I was trying to uh, kill mouse interaction. Um, I actually found... Are you are you one of those people that uses TMUX and, and some crazy Vim plugins and then just has, like, four four panes of different files across your screen? Man, you no. Nope. never use a mouse? No, nope. that's that sounds... I would try it. I probably wouldn't succeed at it, but I would try it. Check this out. So this that's, is, what, that's what the real programmers do. There is a uh, thing called Kitty, K-E-Y-T-T-Y, that um, okay. lets you control the mouse with your keyboard. And yeah, that's built into most operating systems. Is it? By default. Yeah, it's an accessibility option. Man, well, but this has this has some other stuff. So, like... This has a thing where you activate it, and the cursor starts in the center of the screen, and it shows you four quadrants, and so it cuts the distance to the middle of that quadrant in half every time. So, like, if I hit, um, if I hit, like, W, or it goes to the upper left quadrant, and then it breaks that quadrant into four more quadrants. So it's like that, sort of that physics thing where, like, if you go half the distance to the wall, like, how long is it going to take you to get to the wall? And, like, you'll never get to the wall because you're always cutting the distance in half. But but you'll actually get quite close quite fast. Um, Well, I mean, because there's a a specific... You can only only get in between pixels so much. Right. Yeah, so it's like this, this thing just... It cuts the distance, like, halfway to where you're going. And then it also has, like, a macro move mode where you can, like... Uh, move like an, an inch across the screen with each with each adjustment and a micro mode and what's where it, it called moves again? pixel by pixel. But um, I was using that for a while. I still use it a bit if I just don't want if I'm going to do something that I uh, don't really want to leave the keyboard for. But the other thing I've done now is I've just like taken another block of wood and I've put like a whole like one of those large desktop Apple Magic trackpads next to the right hand keyboard oh so, actually you know that's actually you know what good. that's uh i disagree i when when the magic track pads came out i bought i i bought like three of them and i just only used those because i absolutely loved it and i loved using the multi-touch gestures for everything and it felt so modern until a year or two later i started getting that same kind of finger tendon pain between my first two finger my pointer and middle finger mm. on my left hand Okay. And I was like, why is this happening? And I realized because I'm just re- literally just drawing s- circles with my pointer finger all day. Huh. All day. So I ended up, it got so bad, I ended up having to get like an orthopedic mouse. Really? But because I'm a lefty, there aren't that many options. Hmm. Uh, so I got this thing that's, that is like, it has like an 80 foot long cord. Uh, and it's a vertical mouse, uh-huh. and it has like three, three or four buttons on it, and you have to get used to it. But it's like shaking someone's hand, and um, it's not a gaming mouse, but it's a, it's called a zero tension vertical mouse. And so the idea is that if you can just if you use that, it actually 
Your wrist is in a more natural position. Your hand is in a more natural position. And so you, there's no fatigue versus using your finger and all of and just like slowly eroding the cartilage inside of, of your hand over a long period of time. And it took a few months and then it went away and I felt better. And now like I can use track pads and stuff, but just not all day. You know, it's funny. I actually have a vertical mouse. I have one of those sitting in a box. I just got the track pad first. Uh, it was, and I just I, look, look, it If yet. it were up to me, if my body weren't slowly being coming decrepit, uh, <laughs> that I'm over 30, um, I would be using track pads, magic track pads exclusively. But it's, that's not, it's not up to my brain. It's up to my hands. Man. Yeah, that will do it. Especially if you're doing more, if you're doing more design stuff and you actually have to interact Which is with. what I loved about the track pad because it's so much easier to, use, to, when you're doing design stuff, to use a track pad than it is to use a mouse. Makes sense. And I, ugh. But I had to, and and so I don't really use vertical mice too much anymore. But I have found a lot of, I found some decent uh, uh, ambidextrous gaming mice. That gaming mice are are made for you know fat gamers that don't move very much, but then also can't get carpal tunnel. <clears throat> so it's they're made for longer term use, but they're not. They're still not as good because I'm starting to feel it a little bit in my wrist. Uh, it's still not as good as. A vertical mouse, um, but I have, but I love the customizations that I have on these gaming mice, and I and uh, yeah, and they're all uh, they're all razor mice. Hmm. Razor seems to do a pretty good job of making ambidextrous and uh, ambidextrous mice, which basically means they don't have a bias. If you don't, you can call this righty's privilege, Ryan. But <laughs> you know, if you didn't notice, most mice have a slight bias to them. On the top, it's not like an even parabola over the over the top surface of the mouse. Yeah, and that's to make it more easy for you people that can use the mouse with your right hand. I grew up actually using being a writing on the mouse, but once I started to have having to do real work and especially design work, I, I moved over to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I was and then I was more accurate, and I was like, oh, that makes more sense because I'm left-handed. Anyway. That's so, yeah. It's so weird that your left right hand thing that that can't really be like overcome. Like I, I, I it can. It I can I become ambidextrous. Hmm. That's how you overcome it. But when I'm but the thing is is I'm not ambidextrous. I'm adextrous. Adextrous. I can't. Neither of my. It's like it, rather than unless this is really what ambidexterity is, where you don't feel a difference. In, in either way of doing something, probably is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I always thought ambidexterity was like, oh, I'm hitting a baseball with my right hand, and now I'm hitting a baseball with my left hand, and you know, oh, now I'm playing golf lefty instead of righty. But for me, it just feels nothing. Nothing feels right. Hmm. That that makes sense. I can I can see that. So like in and it also it leads to me becoming very uncoordinated. I have two really good friends who are real oh. left-handers. Because they're solidly lefty. They play guitar lefty. They, they throw really well left-handed. They can throw frisbee really well left-handed. I can't do anything. Well, this means, this you know, with musical instruments, they say that the more that you practice with an instrument or whatever, literally neurons move into that part of the motor cortex. So uh, over time... But that also means that you can't reverse it. Well, Easily. it can atrophy. Right? So it's like whatever you don't use sort of atrophies. You know, if you go... No, but what I'm saying is like I've played guitar righty forever. Uh-huh. I'm not that great at it, but I, I still have for a long time. But I would really, I really wish I could play lefty guitar. Hmm. And I can't monopolize on all of that 
guitar playing and muscle memory and stuff and, and, and variations in rhythm that I can do with my right hand, even though there's a lot of wrist-swinging motions you could say I do with my left. So, hmm. I don't know. Especially bass, like because I picked up bass recent, uh, semi-recently. And you learned it left, le- lefty? No, but I, I was thinking about it. It's like it almost makes more, like, because I can't do finger-picking very well because I'm not right-handed. So, like, almost okay. makes sense, but because I played guitar for so long, righty, it, al- it also makes sense to just keep playing it righty. Yeah, because you've literally migrated more neurons into those parts of the motor cortex for those movements on those hands. But who's to know that that's, who's to know how I was supposed to end up? I've been playing guitar since technically I was in first grade, and then I took, like, a 12-year break. And I've been bowling for about as long, and I do that righty. But then all the fine dexterity stuff, I do lefty. Did you ever see Austin Otaki bowl? Yeah, exactly. My God. He's a real lefty. And he was on uh, UCF's bowling team uh, and, and did phenomenally well. But yeah. here's the secret. You know that lefties have an advantage in bowling, especially professionally. I don't know this. Bowling, and it's f- kind of funny because uh, another promo to our hot topic about React Day it was at Brooklyn Bowl, and I got to bowl for the first time in I don't know how many years on Friday. But... um the the lanes are uh, oil is laid on the lanes in a specific pattern. You know what? This is how we end up doing two hour shows. This isn't about bowling. Let's get back to ergonomics. Okay. Lefties have an advantage because the oil pattern doesn't wear down as much as it does when you have a consistent uh. right right handed throws. So over time, you can hone in your line rather than being disrupted by other people and other balls. Got there it. you go. Makes sense. Okay, back to ergonomics. Okay. Uh, so we, so here's something. Okay. Felix Grey glasses, or rather, anti-glare, anti-blue light glasses. They're not yellow. They're not yellow. At all. That's cool. And uh, they cut down a decent amount of glare. I got them because when I started working with the Touch Bar MacBook, there was so much glare that you could shave in the screen. Especially if you have a black window up, like with a text editor. Okay. And I'm just like staring at myself, which is annoying. Because it's actually harder to focus on the text when I have, like, a vague image of myself behind it that I could really see. Uh-huh. So I wanted to get anti-glare glasses, and Felix Gray, they do help a little bit. Uh, because I don't wear glasses, I, n- I didn't get a prescription, and I didn't get magnification. I read that the magnification, actually, might end up straining your eyes more because of the distance between, it's like, drugstore magnification. Okay, it's not, it's like because like, proper... Of the, it's not right. It's not like pro, it's not like if you went to an ophthalmologist and they figured out okay, here's exactly what would make sense. But uh, no. By the way, I went to an ophthalmologist like a year ago and he gave me an eye test and and I, and I was like so. He's like, all right, have a good day. I was like, what what's my vision? He's like, is it is it is it twenty twenty? He's like, yeah 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 that whatever. Like, all right. Ish. <laughs> Ish. Ish. Okay. Can I fly no, a fighter would. jet? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. You would know. But you, well, the thing is, is I keep, I'll, I'll know when I'm losing my vision when I stop getting complimented on how small my text is. Because every, it's like once a, once, or, once a week or once every two weeks, someone's like, wow, your text is really small. And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on borrowed time. I don't know, but I'm doing really well right now. So, um, but yeah, Felix Grey glasses really help, especially because when you're sitting next to basically a giant fluorescent light or a giant panel of LED white lights for hours a day, it kind of at least can placebo affect yourself into thinking that you're not going to strain your eyes as much. And then if you can, if placebo effect really works, then you're not. I've seen, uh, I mean, I've really just seen people with just the blatant, basically like safety glasses. 
Uh, no, I can't do that because it's the same reason why I hate using Night Shift and I hate using Flux. I've got into using Night Shift on the phone, uh, and I actually ended up increasing the warmth because I, because I like, I don't know. When I'm in a dark room, I'm very sensitive to light, and so I, could, I actually figured out that if I, I could increase the warmth a bit on the night, on, along with the low light filter, makes my phone really nice to use at night, despite the image tearing that I meant earlier. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier. Okay, but um. Just lost my train of thought. Oh, but that's why I hate fluxes because I couldn't have that on my computer during the day. I care like my brain has been trained to care too much about color, I guess, or just does care too much about color or differences in color, and I'm and, and I'm going to end up getting a headache staring at a red screen all day. Yeah. Yep. To me, it doesn't um, matter. But I have a lot of friends that are like watching videos with that on, and I'm just like I almost throw up. How do you do that? I am so design deaf. Like I. I depend religiously on a designer feeding me mocks, and then I still get a significant number of notes of, like, even with all of the compensation mechanisms I've developed, I still end up not quite on the mocks. Well, let me ask you this. Uh. On the flip side, do they have a design system? Is it a modular design system that they're working with, or is it just kind of willy-nilly? We, I mean, it's my employee, so I try to, like, move him in that direction, just getting him into into XD and, like, componentizing more and more things. But to get him trained up and doing good work before doing systematic work, yeah, we just let him kind of run with it for a long time. Well, see, that's one of the reasons why you end up with a lot of notes, because I'm I'm sure... I'm sorry, that sounds arrogant. I would I would bet a whole dollar, Ryan, okay. that there are some inconsistencies in the designs that might be able to that would then lead to you getting notes because it then it's harder for you to lay it out yeah. properly. You know what we should do? We should ruin his life, replace him with a person of a different ethnicity, and see if we can train up a de- see No, no. All we have to all you have to do is 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 Oh, uh, uh, Trading Places. Trading Places, yeah, yeah, the Eddie Murphy movie with Dan Aykroyd. That was great. That was great. Yeah, um, we, uh, no, we don't have to do that. You could adopt two things. Atomic Web Design, which actually they talked about at React Day, and uh, creating a brand style guide for a white label app. If you put those two together, you'll end up with a modular design system that then you can use as a very basic foundation for your white level apps white label apps and then if all of the designs are composed of atoms and molecules and organisms then everything will kind of build on each other and will be very easy for you to i'm sorry relatively easier for you to implement then, because everything will just kind of build on itself and be reused that makes sense i had a uh, i did have another client that i worked with uh recently that did have that so i had to work in react um uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I got to see I got to see a project that had a pretty consistent atomic design pattern uh, instantiated in it, and they had they had kept to their they had kept to it pretty well. So even being fairly unfamiliar with their totally not fairly totally unfamiliar with their project, it was pretty easy to jump in there and start reusing things to exactly. to build an interface they needed. Especially if you use something like Storybook. Yeah, all that was, together, you'll they have didn't have a really that. Good system. I was looking for I was looking for a storybook or something like that. I think. I mean, you can install it. It's not. Uh, you know, you still have to create the stories. I wish there was some kind of auto story generator. But anyway, 
Anything else on ergonomics? Uh, I found all these posture braces online. I should probably get them. You know, I don't think standing desks are that great for development. I, I, but they sound like a good amenity to convince people to work in an open office. Yeah, they sound like it's going to be good, but then you can even want to do it. You can try to do it. But I think one of the biggest factors that contributes to being able to focus on, on code for me is like being able to forget about your body. And you can't do that at a standing desk. At a standing desk, right. You also can't forget about your body if your back starts to hurt because you're slouched over all day either. Yeah, yeah. That that was the other. That was another reason for this whole this whole thing. Getting the split keyboard and whatever. Once you, I'm, I think I'm gonna have to look into split keyboards now because that I didn't even think about the fact that your your hands being close together naturally makes you want to slouch. Yeah, it makes you because if you're gonna relax in that position, that's how you're gonna do it. You're gonna you're gonna lean forward and you're gonna right. And whenever I am relaxing in that chair, my arms are spread out, but they can't touch the keyboard. Yeah. If, if you were going to do that, probably go with the Cooler Tron one. That's actually, I might do that soon. There's a... Uh, How much are they? They're they're in like this $150-ish range. Somewhere between $100 okay. and 150 But That's a little, a little pricey, but... It's a little bit. It's a little bit up there. Um, but uh, the, the Cooler Tron one has the potential to, to run your own USB cable to connect the two halves. And I really want a much longer Could cable do to like go a wireless? back so I can just what about have a wireless chair separate? Like, why can't they be wireless with each other? Uh, there. I wish there was. I feel like it's just not that not a big enough product market that they just haven't they haven't solved all those those little obvious problems. Like, I don't I don't feel like the volume on these products is high enough for them to iterate on all those little electronics fixings. I don't know. I think that stuff should be pretty... It's pretty common these days. Yeah, I feel like that's... Especially in a keyboard that's over 100 bucks. Especially on a keyboard that's over 100 bucks. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, A couple other things, and we can close this out. Um... Take frequent breaks. Get one of those laptop stands so your laptop display is at eye level. Uh, that's something that I only did recently, and it's actually really helped me sit up straight. Uh, so I think that, combined with the uh, split keyboard, will really help. Um, what else? Wrist guards, that type of stuff is pretty self-explanatory. Oh, it's funny. Uh, an increasingly popular option is a standing desk, which has you standing rather than sitting, because sitting is the new smoking. I don't know about that. Ah. Yeah. I don't know right. about the standing Many desk. of these desks are height adjustable. Well, you know, I see some people stand. I see some people sit. I don't really notice them getting any healthier. I haven't seen a person, I haven't seen an unfit person become extremely athletic because they were standing up during the day. No, it's probably like a, just a, gen, like a mild circulation improvement, I would say. Yes, which someone like me might benefit from, but who the hell knows. Anyway, um, I think... I think that's it, yeah? I think so. Yeah, maybe go, All right. go to the gym in the middle of the day. That's probably about the last really important thing that actually would that actually helps significantly. That if if you can. Yeah. Um I guess I guess most people could pr- probably do gyms on their lunch break if they wanted to. Yeah, it's a bit um, much come back sweaty and what, all that though. Well, one thing that I really have got into the pace of doing is, in, is during lunch I just take a quick walk around the block and ends up being like half a mile or a mile at most, but uh it really helps. It really also helps just kind of clear your head midday, and it's not as stressful as as uh, as, as going to the gym. Yeah, that sounds. And also, like you know, uh, it's New York. There's always stuff to. It's very Thomas Jefferson of you as well. Why? Well, thank you. Except I'm not going to be a slave owner. So, <laughs> um, anyway, with that, I think it's 
Time to end. So, Ryan, would you approve of this slightly smaller poll request? I think we're still mm, at an hour. Approved. Much quicker to review changes. <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, let's all hit merge. Wow, I haven't made that mistake in a long time. Let's all hit merge. <laughs> and we'll see you next week, hopefully, right here on Poll Request. And remember to check out Hot Topic coming soon. This has been a Pneumonium production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Wolfpack. Visit them at V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K.com. 